Welcome to episode three of the Miles Podcast. I am your host, Miles. That's me. Uh, today I am coming live from not my room, uh, where I do most of my recording, all of my recording actually. I'm hanging out in my game room, changing it up. So I've got the mic on the couch. I'm sitting on the couch as well, looking at video games, and I have another list of things that I would like to talk about. Oh, today is the balls. What's today? Uh, Wednesday, uh, the 31st of May. So, without further ado, let's jump right into what I have written down, which is only a couple things, but I would like to talk about Tetris Poyo Poyo again, or Poyo Poyo Tetris. Um, if you recall in my last episode, I was talking about how, uh, how much I really liked the demo to it, and, uh, I finally got the game, and I played the ever-loving hell out of it, and if I remember correctly, the, the, the Nintendo Switch system tells you how long you've played games, roughly, and I think I dumped, like, 30 hours into it, and I didn't even really even play the, uh, the story mode, I don't know. It's so the story mode is super cheesy. It's like high school anime girls get sucked into Tetris land and then they've got a Tetris and Poyo Poyo to save the world. And it's all voiced act by like three people and it's just terrible. So I played that for a little while but not in depth enough, but just playing the battle mode against computer players. Have a had a lot of fun. So I played the the ass out of that. And I am still playing the ass out of it. It's real. It's it's a colorful game, and I am glad that I finally own it. But that was. I just wanted to quickly touch on that uh, before I got into another game that I finished and played through, um, which is The Last of Us. I should have taken more notes on it because I'm just going off my my right off the top of my head. That game, holy crap! I had been told that it was good. And I got to experience... So I didn't watch anything about it. Um, I had seen very little. I think I saw the E3 unveiling of it and maybe some gameplay from it. Um, Christ, that was back in like 2013, 2012? Because that was a PS3 game originally. So I saw a bit of that, but nothing. Nothing concrete. Never saw a review... Never watched someone play through it, so I went in blind, pretty much, other than hearing that it's a really good game. And so I, I finally got it, and I sat down, and I played through it, and this this doesn't happen to me a lot with games, at least not anymore since, uh, since I'm older and since I became an adult. Like, I'll give you an example. I had to be somewhere at 6 o'clock, um, and I started playing at 4.30, just, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I'll just play for a little while. I'll leave at like 545. I'll get there on time. No problem. So I start playing and I get engrossed in the game and I look at the clock and it's 615. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so that's that doesn't happen with, with games that often with me anymore, where I just completely lose track of time and because I'm so immersed in it. And that game had it just pulled me in. Not not so much right at the very beginning, but maybe two hours in. Once I got the controls down and the, the inventory management and stuff like that, once I got that down, um, I really enjoyed it. 
and the the plot is really good. It's it's very much uh, a cliche of we've got to get this per- important person from point A to point B, and you've got to we got to get away from the bad guys in between. It freshens it up a little bit. I, I thought from the gameplay that I did see from E3 that it was just one big escort mission. And as anybody who's ever played a video game with an escort mission, escort missions suck ass. They are never done well. And fucking Grand Theft Auto, I think that's the, those are the games that uh, gave those kinds of missions a bad rap. But in this, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, your, your helper lady in Bioshock Infinite because your helper lady in The Last of Us, she'll give you things. She'll help you fight people. Um, she doesn't die instantly. Um, at least she didn't for me. Uh, but then again, I didn't play on a harder difficulty. So the only game I, I can think of that does that but horribly, horribly wrong would be Resident Evil 5. And that game had horrible uh, escort elements where the whole game is pretty much an escort mission and your, your buddy's just a fucktard. Um, but anyway, so The Last of Us reminded me a lot of Bioshock Infinite, because in that, I don't remember what the, the lady's name, Isabel, or, uh, big-eyed, whatever lady. Anyway, so she would give you items, but in that, she kind of stayed off to the side. I think she did some, like, magic attacks, but either way. So in The Last of Us, the lady does the same thing. Um, I like when that happens. Uh, enemies can grab her, and there's, like, a little, uh, timer bar that shows up above her. Like, oh, you've got to save her in this amount of time. But that doesn't happen very often. And when it does happen, it's like, all right, there's only a couple bad guys. I'll just, I can save her. It's not an issue. But I'm playing through it a second time. Well, so anyways, I really like the story. The story is, the characters are real good. Um, They got really good actors. And speaking of Bioshock Infinite, uh, the uh, voice actor of the, the main character in... The Last of Us, uh, the, the actor's name is bum, bum, uh, Troy Baker. Um, he voice acts in Bioshock Infinite as uh, Booker DeWitt, and it's cool to see his range from Booker DeWitt to Last of Us guy. I don't remember what Last of Us guy's name is right now, but um, he kind of looks like Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Uh, doesn't matter. Anyways, so... The acting in The Last of Us is real good. The cutscenes are done real well. They motion captured the hell out of them, and they they got they do real good work with the uh, the facial animation, and that's something that I notice in a lot of games where uh, the facial animations are terrible, um, but for some reason they, they they put a lot of time and effort into it, and that really helps because it doesn't. It, it doesn't break the immersion when you go into a cutscene because the cutscenes and the gameplay, I wouldn't say that they're one-to-one with the graphics, but it's pretty close that what you're playing in the game is what the cutscenes look like. When, when there is a cutscene, you can definitely, you can tell, especially if you've played enough games, because um, the lighting changes and it's more, the camera angles, obviously, but, but as far as gameplay for this game, is good. I had no problems. Uh, well, once I learned how to manage my shit and how to loot and find goodies and stuff. I'm not used to playing uh, with a PlayStation controller because growing up, I, I played PlayStation a few times and then 
just recently, within the past two years, I got a PS1 and a PS2. So I'm still not used to the controller. Like, it says push X, and I push, you know, the button on the, the left or the top button or something, and then it's like, push triangle and it's like well triangle isn't a letter oh god what do i do so once i learned though once i figured out what those did uh it I, the game definitely went well but by the end of the game so you, you go through it you shoot a bunch of bad guys uh you got like zombie infected fungus people throughout the whole game yeah i got to the end of the game and it had a a pretty good bittersweet kind of ending and it was good i'm like hey that was fun and then again Something that doesn't happen with games with me very often, but as soon as I finished the game, I wanted to play it again. Because I, I just, I was enjoying it so much. And that doesn't happen often. So I started the, the campaign over, and I'm playing it on New Game Plus, uh, and I'm trying to get all the collectibles and stuff like that. Which isn't super exciting, but I get to, I'm playing through it again. So, it's fun. And uh, I think that's kind of all I really have to say about it. It... I look forward to the uh, the sequel that I that they came out with a teaser trailer for. So whenever that comes out, that'll probably be what another year, two years, three years. Whenever it comes out, I'll pick it up because it was fun. Ooh, oh, this next one's this one's rough. This one's an about about an abusive relationship that I have, and it's not Applebee's. It is uh, Trials Fusion. Just all the Trials games. It's a it's so it's such a bittersweet thing. So, if you don't know what Trials is, I will enlighten you. Trials is the best video game ever made, but it is the hardest video game that I'm decent at. Um, so, Trials is this physics-based uh, motorcycle 2.5D... Um, I don't know if I'd call it a platformer. Not really. Either way, so I'll try to explain it better. So, what you got to do is you got to get from the start to the finish. And you go through a, a racetrack kind of thing. But the racetrack could be, you know, you're driving up a mountain through a, you go through a cave in the mountain, then you launch out the other side or whatever. There, there's all kinds of things. And there's jumps, there's uh, the loop-de-loops, all kinds of things. If you don't know what it is, just look it up, watch a video. It'll make sense what I'm talking about. Anyway, so it's it's heavily influenced with physics. And... When I first played a Trials game, I was so goddamn bad at it. And that it is a game that anyone who picks it up will be bad at. Um, at least on with some of the bikes. So, Trials Fusion, I have on the Xbox One. And it's not my favorite Trials. My favorite Trials was... Uh, Trials Evolution on the 360 because I played that game and I wore out my 360 controller thumbsticks because I played it that much. Trials Fusion, I have it on my Xbox One. It's the sequel to that. As, as you start the game, uh, you start off with these... The, the courses are pretty flat. They're not that difficult. And they give you bikes that you pretty much can just gun it and uh, get to the end no problem. And, and when I say physics-based, so your your bike has weight, um, your engine has power, you, uh, you lean forward and you lean back to try to guide your, your bike um, as far as direction and stuff, which sounds easy. But once you get to the later levels, you get a, 
you get bikes that are uh, that are lighter and they have uh, higher acceleration, or a heavier bike but it has a higher max speed. But once you get to those bikes, you have to start taking into consideration um, the the amount of pressure that you're putting on certain parts of the bike when you like how you land, um, what angles you're landing, which tire you're landing on, how much you're accelerating when you land. Uh, if you're accelerating, you could be holding the brake, and that'll completely fuck you up. Um, but the biggest thing is bunny hopping. So being able to put enough pressure on your back tire and launch yourself forward kind of thing, just like a real bunny hop on a bike. So when I started playing Trials, I was goddamn terrible at it. I could do the easy levels, but as soon as I hit a single level with one of the higher bikes, I couldn't do them. Uh, couldn't figure it out. I kind of just gave the game up didn't play it for a couple of years and then I think it was right after high school um I didn't have a I was in between jobs I think all I was doing was I'd play trials every day I think this was when I was in trade school I would play trials for an hour to two hours every day like religiously and I was getting good at it and at my best I was in the top 10,000 in the world and that's pretty good because there was a lot of people that played that game, or at least played Trials Evolution. So being in the top 10,000, that felt pretty good. Uh, so then Trials Fusion came out, and I played the shit out of that on the 360 and liked it. And then I didn't play it for about two years. And then recently I got it on the, the Xbox One. It's bringing back memories because it's if you've ever played Super Meat Boy, um, when you fail a level, you start right over. So in trials, uh, let's say I'm going up a cliff and I flip my bike and I land on my head and I crash. Um, I can push a button and I can go back to a checkpoint. And it's like, it's boom, back to the checkpoint. Or like restart the level if I want to go fl uh, faultless. So it has this, it takes, you know, a couple times to get stuff down or to do certain jumps. It's repetition and it's really fun, and I love it, but some of the levels are so hard, and I will be sitting there, uh, and I'll be playing the same level, and I'll look at the clock and like think, wow, shit, I've been playing this level for 45 minutes, and I am no closer to finishing it, and I've probably restarted it at least 100 times. Uh -huh. But there's something about those kinds of games that I like, uh, because like Super Meat Boy, I liked it. Um, Super Meat Boy, I don't, I don't remember if, uh, if that was more time-based or if that was just beat the level. Either way, Trials is you want to get the best time. And so since I've been playing through Trials Fusion on the Xbox One, I guess not a lot. Either, either I'm really good or they cleaned the leaderboards of like hacks or there just wasn't a lot of people that bought the game. Um, because I'm in the top 4,000 on pretty much every track. It's one of those games, and it took me about a week to, or a couple days to get back up to where I was. It's, I don't want to describe it like Super Smash Brothers, because Super Smash Brothers is easy to learn, hard to master. And Trials is like moderately hard to, I don't know what it would, because it's not easy. Minus, minus the easy levels. I guess it is. It's easy to start, but hard to finish. 
because you can't finish the game unless you get good with those harder bikes. The ones that have, like, the, the one bike, and I think it's called the Phoenix. It is, um, you have, it is, it's a super light-bodied motorcycle, and you have a very high acceleration with just the back wheel. So if you just gun it, you will flip over and land on your head. Um, so you have to distribute your weight right. But I fucking, I will play that game till the cows come home, and I love it. It makes me so tense, and I can just feel my, my heart rate going up because I'm trying to make a jump or uh, trying to finish a level f- f- uh, faultless. And it's so hard to do, and it's so aggravating because it's like I I can visually do it. I've, I know I can do it, but my hands aren't doing it or I'm not using the physics at the, at the right time because, like, there's sometimes I will run through a track faultless, no problem. But then I'll go back and try to do it, and it'll I'll I'll fuck up at one specific point, and it's like I could do it before, but this time I can't because I don't I don't have the feel for the the right physics to use, um, and I'm sure this is making no sense because I'm all over the place, but that's okay. Um, if you haven't played Trials, I would recommend giving it a shot or watching a video and seeing what I'm talking about. But that is a game that I'm I'm not good at games. But that is a game that I am pretty goddamn good at, and I thoroughly enjoy. What's my next topic? Ooh, oh, this is another good one. I think I've talked about this on on my last episode. I love heavy metal, and recently I've been listening to some different things. Uh, That being ska music which I've been enjoying the shit out of, and the new Gorillaz album. Now, that new Gorillaz album, uh, what is it called? It's called Humans. That's correct. Uh, I bought it the other day, and after I listened to it on the, the U-tubs there, I didn't like it because I used to kind of like the Gorillaz back in like 2005-ish. Um, you know, with Clint Eastwood and uh, Feel Good Inc. and stuff like their songs like that, I, I really liked. The last time I think I looked up any of their music was probably like 2009, 2010. So we're talking seven, eight years. But they came out with a new album called Humans, and it's the the first time I listened to it, I didn't like it at all because it kind of sounded generic and like just kind of radio pop garbage but what I have what I found with music that I don't like the first time is I'm not seeing where they're coming from and let's see if I can give you another example of it so I'll give you I'll give you a good example of it um I listened to the kiss kiss album destroyer and going into it I only liked two songs but once I listened to it a couple of times um, I thoroughly enjoy the whole the whole album. Like every song on the album, I actually like. So it's kind of the same thing with the Gorillaz album. I listened to it once, didn't like it, and then the second time I li- but there, there was something about it that first time. There was something that kept my attention and didn't have me just move on to the next thing. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it again. So I listened to it, and it's it's weird because it's. So it's 20 tracks, 
which sounds like a lot, but there is five interludes that are about five to 20 seconds long. And it's just like, you know, one of them's a guy saying, elevator going up. And, uh, and then the next song starts. So it's stupid things like that. The nonconformist oath, like that's uh, 22 seconds in between songs. But then the thing that, that caught my attention was how 13 of these songs feature someone. That's, that's a lot off of the album that just feature other artists other than the Gorillas. Sorry, it's six, six interludes. Jeez, all right. So six interludes, 13 songs that feature someone, and one song that is, doesn't feature anyone else other than the Gorillas. And that's just, that's, that was super strange to me, and it caught my attention. So I listened to it a couple more times. Um, I think I, I might have listened to it like four times on YouTube and thought, all right, this is an album I can get behind because I'm, I was starting to appreciate it more. So I bought it. I bought it the physical version because whatever. I like CDs. Fucking sue me. Whatever. So I was, I was thumbing through the little pamphlet and the pamphlet was super bare bones. But what I had thought was wrong what I had thought when I was listening to it on YouTube is it featured these artists and uh, they were they were all singers, but I thought that they had a hand in creating everything else, like the, the music behind the, the vocals. But it didn't seem to be the case because when I was looking in that little pamphlet, all the credits for the, uh, the music and the writing went to the Gorillas for every single song. So that was cool, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the Gorillas because, like I said, it kind of sounds like radio pop garbage um, like kind of music that that's just bass and it's got weird synth sounds, stuff that I normally wouldn't like, but for some reason this it, I like it. Um, cause it's it's done a little differently, but yeah, it's just strange. I don't really know what they were what they were doing, why they wanted to feature so many other people, because like their lead singer there. Um, I don't know why I'm even trying to remember his name because I don't know it. But either way, <laughs> I, I hate when people do that, but I do it sometimes. And it's like, oh, it's uh, the tip of my tongue. Oh, it's, and I don't fucking know. I'm just putting on a show. And other people do it, and I hate it. So why the fuck do I do it? I'll stop doing it. There, that's my New Year's resolution. I will not do that one specific thing that kind of annoys me sometimes. All right, moving on. Anyways, so the lead singer, uh, he has parts in some of, in a few of the songs. There's a couple of them he's, he's got nothing to do with it. Uh, and there's only that one song that is only by the Gorillas, And I think that is my least favorite song on the album. But, you know, he, the, the lead singer comes in on a couple of the other songs and he'll do a, do a verse or he'll do a chorus, I think. But uh, I'll... I'll I'll recommend a few songs that don't suck off the album, because um, mostly, I out of, out of the thirteen songs, uh, or sorry, fourteen songs if you count the one by the Gorillas, I probably like about ten of them, and there's four that I just skip because I there's nothing about it that I like. It's just kind of noise or has a weird beat. But either way, I would recommend uh, off of this album. Uh, Ascension 
uh, Strollabite, uh, Saturn's Bars, instead of S's, it's Z's, uh, Moments with a Z at the end, um, Submission, uh, Andromeda, Carnival is pretty good, and She's My Caller is good, and We Got the Power. So I wasn't counting how many that was, but that's probably close to 10, right? Those are the songs I would recommend. Um, they're probably the best off the album. Anyways, um, my favorite being Saturn's Bars. For some reason, that's real good. But I find myself doing that a lot with albums. And like the re- one of the reasons I don't like Spotify, and, and I can relate this issue to collecting video games, and I will do that as such. So I don't like Spotify because you have such a vast library of music at your disposal, which to some people, that's great. Um, it, it's great for discovering new, new music, uh, artists that you like, and getting to listen to whatever you want. Like, that's cool. And stream it wherever. But the reason I don't like that is because... I like myself what I did with this Gorillaz album. Like, if I was on Spotify and I listened to it once and didn't like it, I would have just moved on to something different because I had the access to all of these other things. And it's kind of like an overwhelming, like, oh, shit, now I have this whole abundance of other stuff. Let me just find something different to listen to that I'm going to like. But when I when I buy music, I, I always buy the CD, mostly, and then I, I really give albums a chance and I, I try to stick with them and try to enjoy them. And I, I try to see, like, maybe this is where the artist was coming from with this this uh, perspective. Um, trying to think of an album that I bought that I didn't like at first. Or I just told you. I fucking told you already. The fucking Destroyer album by Kiss. Didn't like it at first. But there's been tons of albums like that. And they, they grow on me and then they stick with me and I like it. Um, and I like that, that feeling. And when I, when I've used Spotify or other such music streaming services, I don't get that feeling. It's kind of like when, when I was a kid and I got a game, give you an example, like when I was, when I was just a young version of me, I, I got Pikmin for the GameCube and I remember playing the fuck out of it. Because that was the game that I had. And it's like, I have to cherish that. And, like, I found all the secrets and all that stuff. And eventually I got to the point where I could speedrun the game. But but now, when I pick up a GameCube game kind of thing, I just want to get in, get out. I don't really want... I, I don't have the time to invest in it and uh, thoroughly enjoy it. I just move on to the next thing because I have so many of them. Like, I just... I have ADD with it. Um, but with music... For some reason, I I try my best not to do that because I want to enjoy that the most. I don't know. Does any of that make sense? I mean, probably not. And people just probably think I'm crazy for not just using Spotify and I'm just buying music and spending money on it. But I don't care. I have a shit ton of CDs. And then when people, you know, are looking for new music, I can be like, hey, I have... I have a CD. Listen, listen to this. Cram it in your computer's cram hole for all I care. It's great. I, li- I like sharing music like that. Just telling someone 
you know, hey, go listen to this. They're not going to fucking listen to it. I just, I listed off a bunch of songs. Chances of you actually looking them up? I mean, probably slim to none. I don't blame you. Uh, I'm just some weirdo on the internet right now. But I like that Gorillaz album, and I would highly recommend anyone listen to it. And if you don't like it the first time, maybe give it a shot. Listen to it like two, three more times. And I guess that's something people also don't like to do. They don't like to listen to things they don't like more than once. But, you know, whatever. I do for some reason. Fucking whatever. All right, my next topic. Uh, Newfound enjoyment of ska. Yeah, I like ska music. Uh, I've been listening to a band called The Specials and Less Than Jake. They're both kind of opposites in ska. Like, Less Than Jake is pretty fast-paced. And then the specials is is pretty slow. I like both of them. It's kind of like a alternative rock with trumpets. I don't know. It's fun and exciting, and the lyrics are kind of cool. Um, they're they're relatable. They're kind of like a punk thing, maybe. I don't. I don't really know much about ska. Oh yes, yes. We've got Animal Crossing Amiibo Fest. And the fire sales that have been going on with those Amiibos. Uh, if you don't know what Animal Crossing Amiibo Fest is, it's a board game. Well, it's a video game board game. And it's kind of fashioned like Mario Party, where each player gets a turn, they roll a dice, they move squares. Depending on what square they land on, something happens. And if you go by Mario Party rules... At the end of everyone's turn, you play a minigame, but in an Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival, you do not. And this game is hated by so many people, and it has had just... Nobody likes this game, and they came out with Amiibos for it, and they came out with like 15 or 16 Amiibos, and they're, you know, they're 13 bucks each, and no one bought them. Well, I bought them. Because they they're fire selling them, like I've I've been getting them as cheap as two dollars. Um, like I bought the the three pack that uh that you can get with like the two llamas and the guitar guy KK. I think I got that for eight dollars. Like it's insane because like that one example was like thirty five dollars normally. So they're trying so hard to get rid of it. So if you're looking for a complete set of those, now is the time to goddamn get them. But anyway, so people hate this game, and I don't blame them. There's a lot of problems with it. It is not really that fun of a game, but there's something about it that the lady friend and I will play that game, and we will have so much fun with it. So you're, I'll, I'll attempt to explain what the fuck you're supposed to do in it. Whoa, fuck, where'd that come from? Anyways, so what you're supposed to do is you start in the middle of the map and you're in an Animal Crossing town and you have to get to the four corners of the map and you have this little gnome guy use his butt to stamp a card for you. And then you go to the next corner and you try to get all four stamps by the end of, uh, by the, end of the game. And the games go for about 30 to 45 minutes and the turns are days of the month. And it's kind of, I, I think this is a cool feature. Each stage is a different month of the year. And you can pick which month you play. You can play the month that you're currently in. So, like, uh, recently I played through May. 
So, like, if there's any holidays in May, um, they would have showed up. I'm sure there was, but whatever. So on the calendar, you know, you, you all roll and then, hey, all right, next turn. Next turn is the next day. So you move through the whole calendar. So there's usually anywhere from 28 to 31 day, uh, turns. But it's pretty fast-paced because once once you roll, uh, you land on a couple squares that uh, that do things, obviously. But, you, like, there's some that'll give you money. There's some that'll give you happiness tokens. Some that'll give you money and happiness tokens. Ones that'll just take your happiness and ones that'll just take your money. And by the end of the game, I think you want to have the most happiness coins. I don't... These aren't legitimate currencies, but whatever. So you've got these happiness tokens that you need to collect also. Um, but every time you land on a square, it's random. So, like, I could land on a happiness square and I could get... 150 happy tokens, for an example. And then the lady friend could roll and land on a happiness thing and get three. Prime example of that is I landed on a money one and I got like 300 bucks. She landed on one and got $99,000 on the second to last turn and then just won the whole game. So it's like weirdly inconsistent because it's random based. Which is definitely a problem, because like in Mario Party, there's some strategy there. In this, there's no strategy, because something like that could happen. And then again, in the older Mario Parties, that does happen. You know, bullshitty things. You know, the guy who's got three stars lands on a mystery star and gets a fourth one. And it's like, the fuck? Oh, does that make me angry? Anyway, so it's, it's random based, and it's just weird. But... It's cutesy, and I love Animal Crossing, and I love the sounds, and I just love everything about it. And I have all the little amiibos, and it's adorable. I love it. But, so, another thing that's kind of interesting about the game, I like it. Your character that you play as, you, you take the amiibo that you want to use, and you stick it on the, the gamepad on the Wii U. Forgot to mention this is a Wii U game. So you put your character on the the Wii U pad, and that's the character you are. So, like I have, let's say I'm going to play as KK, so I take the KK one, bam, he loads up into the game, I'm playing as him now. The thing that I don't like that much is when you roll the die, you have to put the amiibo on the little NFC reader, and it, as long as you're holding it there, the die will keep rolling, and then you take it off and the, the die hits the table, and then you see what you get. It's just a weird feature. I guess they were just really trying to push that, you know, these amiibos do something. I mean, they kind of don't, but... Oh, well. I don't know if I'd recommend it, actually. If you're a diehard Animal Crossing fan, I would. I would definitely say pick it up, because, like, the game with the, the starter amiibos, are, it's like 10 bucks. How can you... For $10, how could you go wrong? But anyone else, I don't think I could recommend it. Um, and I guess I don't blame myself for not recommending it to people. And I've told people that I like this game, and they think I'm crazy. But I'm not crazy. They'll see. I'm not crazy. Anywho. <laughs> my last topic? I guess this is my last topic, unless I can come up with something else. Um, I fixed a friend of mine's uh, NES. And that was kind of it. So I fixed his NES. Um, so let's get into some technical things about the NES. 
this might get a little technical, maybe? Anywho, the way the NES works, uh, it is bullshit on the inside, and I fucking hate it. <laughs> there you go. Technical terminology with Miles. Inside is bullshit. So there's this magical thing called the 72-pin connector, and it is the asshole of the system. So the 72-pin connector has 72 pins, obviously, and those pins go onto the copper contacts in the cartridge. But the way the NES is, if you've ever used one, you put the game in and you push it down and it locks it in place. So the problem is right there. That whole bending of the metal, you're bending it more than it should. I think when Nintendo made it, they didn't realize that these, that these things were going to be used for, you know, 30 years because the NES is, what, 32, 33 years old now? So the, the, the little teeth on the inside of the 72-pin connector where you put the cartridge in, um, not only does it... Um, it starts to oxidize because it's copper and you're wearing it down. Um, they bend out of shape. And they are a motherfucker. I hate them. So I was cleaning this one for the for a friend of mine. And I took it all apart. And of course, the, the way you tell that it's a 72-pin connector problem is you put the cartridge in, you clip it down, you hit power, and it gives you a blinky red light. That's because it can't make contact, uh, or it's not making enough contact with the cartridge, or, you know. So that's, that is the biggest problem, and that is the only problem I've ever run into with an NES, is just that. Taking it apart is pretty easy, because the whole thing is pretty much held together with Phillips head screwdrivers. Phillip, Phillips head screws, which is super nice, because like every other Nintendo console like the Super Nintendo, uh, N64, GameCube, they're all held together with these 4.5mm uh, uh, security screw bits, um, which I had to specially order. It's the whole issue. Um, or, in the case of like Game Boys and DSs and the Wii, uh, they're held together with tri-wing screws. Again, another specialty tool that you have to specially order. So the NES is super easy to get open. And but once you get down to the 72 pin connector and take it apart and you take it out, it is built for failure. There's nothing about it that screams good idea. They fixed that issue when they came out with the uh, the later edition of the NES called the top loader, where you put the cartridge in on the top and it's fine. And the reason the the original NES failed so much, uh, technically because you're doing that that clamping down motion and that just bends the fuck out of the the teeth and it just ruins the system so you take it out um and what i find and i am giving away trade secrets left and right whatever what i what i normally do when i'm fixing one for someone is where the uh the copper contacts that come in contact with the game i usually use um 90 isopropyl rubbing alcohol and a toothbrush, and that usually rips off any of the grime that's built up and uh, the dirt and all that stuff, and you know brings down the oxidized copper. Depending on how bad it is, if it's like really oxidized, um, I'll use Brasso on a toothbrush, but that's a pain in the ass because you're just cramming this paste into seventy-two little teeth, 
and it's like that's a bitch to get out. Um, but I did something different with this the the NES that I just worked on. I had saw online that people were boiling it, you know, in hot water, super hot water. Um, I don't know what it was about that, but that just always scared me. Like I don't want to put electrical components in boiling water, but I did it. I I decided that you know what I'm gonna try it because I saw enough people doing it. I would assume that people aren't that stupid, but I I could be wrong. So I did it, and I boiled it in uh, distilled water for 10, 15 minutes, and it worked all right. Uh, not as well as uh, as what I normally do. The way I test it mostly is um, how many times it starts up flawlessly out of 10 times. And I was getting about three times out of 10. It was starting up successfully. So what I did is uh, something I hate doing, and I've done it a couple times, and once I fucked it up and ruined an NES, so I'm like, shit, I need to be careful, was bending the uh, the teeth back up because they get worn out. And especially they get fucked up if you leave a cartridge in the, in, in the system for like 10 years. Yeah, those teeth are fucked. They're flattened now because there's no spring left in those. You got to bend them back. So with this one, I bent them back. I just took like a sewing needle and popped them up a little bit. And when I say pop them up a little bit, I am talking super just a little bit because I did it too much. But I bent them enough that uh, I put the cartridge in and I didn't have to push it down because it was making enough contact because of how much I bent the, the pins. And like I said, I didn't bend it that much. So... I just kind of push it in and then hit power and the game starts right up, which is cool that you don't have to push it down. And then when I push it down, it doesn't work. So it was weird. It was fun. I, I like whenever I get to to clean other people's consoles and stuff and then like give it back and they're like, oh boy, I'm so excited. It's like, yeah, you should be. Because I buy older consoles and I, I take them apart. Every console I have, I've taken apart. I've cleaned. Um... Some of them I've added new solder, new capacitors. My my Sega CD and my Sega Genesis, I put all new electrolytic uh, capacitors in it. And my Sega CD had something like 50, 56 capacitors in it. And that was a bitch and a half. But it runs amazingly well now. Um, and I've done new capacitors in my Game Gear, soldering that stuff in, soldering Game Boy game memory uh memory batteries in. It's fun. I love doing that kind of stuff. So whenever I get to do uh, stuff for other people other than myself, it's a lot of fun because uh, it's usually the excitement of like, yeah, I get to I get to relive that nostalgic feeling because my system works now. So they'll go home and play whatever. But there, there's an issue that I have when I'm cleaning stuff for other people or when I buy used controllers. And why I always, before I use them, I always take them apart because mentally it's gross. How much fucking hand cheese gets crammed into the crevices of those controllers? You would not believe how fucking gross it is. Like, scraping it out. Oh, it's nasty. It's, it's just gross. You know, like I was cleaning out a Sega Genesis controller and it was like, man, that's just fucking Dorito grease crammed in here. That's... That's that's nasty. <laughs> well, holy 
nutsack, would you look at the time? That's a pretty gosh darn long ass podcast. I'll have to edit it, but I'm pretty sure this is over 40 minutes. I don't actually think I'll have to edit that much. Because in actuality, this time, I had things to talk about. Though I probably didn't make any sense, because I never do. But I didn't have many of those, uh, I think I, I explained it last time, where I just stare off into nothing until I, I remember what I was talking about. I didn't have many of those that time. But, oh, last last thing I wanted to mention. I'm, I'm doing my damnedest here to keep up with the uh, physical physically released Switch games, or Nintendo Switch games. I'm keeping up with them. But man, I bought one the other day, and does it, it sucks, and I really wish I didn't buy it, but I have it now. I'm, I'm going for a set, and it's hard. And what is it? Uh, I don't fucking know how to pronounce it. It's a JRPG, which I am notoriously against JRPGs. I don't like them. The only one I like is Pokemon. But it's Disgaea? Disgaea? Disgaea, maybe? D-I-S-G-A-E-A? I don't fucking know. Either way, it's the fifth one. It's the complete version. And it came out on the Switch, and I started playing it, and I didn't enjoy it at all. So, I mean, I should probably try to play it more, but I don't fucking care. It's kind of shitty. But I have it now, so I'll add it to the collection. And then I got the Ultra Street Fighter 2, which is cool, but I suck at Street Fighter. So, oh well, I can shoot Hydukens and maybe do a sure you can. But that's kind of it. And I think with that, that is the end of episode three of the Miles podcast. Uh, If you enjoyed this, by all means, please let me know. And if you didn't, well, fuck you. You have no taste. (laughs) Um, Oh, that was mean. Where'd that come from? Either way, I'm enjoying making these podcasts. And uh, I think I'm just going to keep doing them, even if no one listens to them. So that's cool. All right. I think that's it. I'm going to. I'm going to go play me some trials. And I'm thinking about, before before I go play my trials, I'm thinking about adding, uh, like, intro music and some outro music to the podcast. But I don't know. I don't really want to use something... I don't really want to use something from, like, a movie or anything. I kind of want to make my own thing. But I can only come up with, like, heavy metal things, and I don't think that really fits the tone of of this kind of podcast, which is just about whatever. I don't have any specifics. I guess if I'm really gung-ho on this whole, maybe having an intro and an outro theme, I'll just go look at some uh, public domain, uh, uncopyrighted music and see if I can get one of those. Either way, all right. Uh, Bye.